Welcome to the Purdue Basketball Podcast. I'm Elliot Bloom, joined by the voice of the Boilermakers, Larry Clisby, episode 15 here on the podcast. And Larry, we're going to look back uh, before our guest, um, Caleb Biggie Swanigan, joins us. We're going to look back at the previous two games as of this taping, which is our victory in Bloomington over Indiana, and then our home game here after a weekend off over on a victory over Rutgers here in Mackey on Valentine's Day. And first, the big win down in Bloomington. Um, boy, didn't shoot the ball particularly well. Um, always a tough environment when Purdue goes down there. And the guys uh, battled, battled, and found a way. Um, and a little bit different than the win at Maryland, which was the game before that. Uh, didn't shoot the ball well, but again, um, found a way to get the, the job done. What I found interesting is, and you know me so well, but a lot of people don't know what my my thoughts are before games. And uh, for some reason, I had this, um, just as an outsider looking at our team, I just had this uh, confidence that, uh, that Purdue was going to win the game, that I normally never have. I, I normally... <laughs> I normally just have a feeling of uh, anytime we go into a tough venue. I mean, you even teased me about it like three years ago when we went down there that I was bailing on us before the game. But, uh, you know, I look at the numbers. I mean, when you win 85% of your home games, it's just like anybody that comes to Mackey Arena. And when it's over 80%, the odds aren't good. You're confident. And uh, But I, um, I felt this uh, – I, I really did. I felt this uh, – comfort and what made it interesting was that um, I talked about it to Rob and to Wes and the people that I work with and I said I feel pretty good about it and then when people started texting me about the game and I have a few people that I'm close to that that I can take an in-game text without blowing up and you know I'll I'll respond to it we have three minute timeouts you know but and and uh, one in particular you know was getting a little anxious and I just kept telling her I kept telling her I said we're going to win this game wait till the five minute mark just wait till the five minute mark we're going to win this game and that was really strange for me Elliot I have to mention I I, I really do have to mention it and I was not surprised at all at the outcome I, I was I, I was have, expecting it I have to agree and and I think it has to do with a little bit of the fact that when we went to Michigan State uh, I'm I'm not sure we really knew at that point um, what direction we were going to go in as a team. Um, and we went into that environment and rang the bell and played well down the stretch. Um, then same thing at Maryland. And I, ever since then, I, th- I don't think you can, I mean, you could, I don't think you could face a more hostile environment than Maryland and the things that we had overcome down the stretch there. Right. And as you said, we said on the, on the, the previous podcast when we were talking with uh, Mike Bobinski, we answered the bell every time at Maryland. When we needed a shot, we made it, you know, that kind of thing. But what those two games did with for this team is they really made them uh, battle-tested in those kind of environments. And for us, when you go into Bloomington, and I was talking to Spike about this because I said, Spike, I'm going to be interested to get your take on this game because you've played in Bloomington before, but you're wearing Michigan. And he said after the game, he said, that is completely different because – when you walk into Assembly Hall and you're wearing Michigan, it's just not the same when you're wearing gold and black. And he said, you know, there was a lot 
the, ele- the, the, the level was elevated. The fans were on you a lot more. It was more intense in the building. And anybody who's been to Mackey or to Bloomington to see one of these games, uh, there's just no comparison. I mean, it's just different than any other game on the schedule. Now, right. you'll have the Villanovas and teams like that. And, and, and I anticipate the game Saturday uh, against Michigan State here in Mackey is going to be a very elevated level. But there's just something different about your arch rival, and that's not unique um, you know, across the country. When your rival comes in, it's just played different. So you knew you were going to get the crowd's best shot, Indiana's best shot. Um, you know, we're uh, fighting for the league title. Indiana's fighting for a tournament berth. So there's a lot on the line in those games. And uh, But I'm, I'm with you. With all that said and done, you still, when you got to that last media timeout, and the game very much in doubt. Right. You still felt good, and our guys went out. And, and we weren't. Like it. it wasn't like we we're acing every free throw, making every shot. Right. And uh, I mean, we kept the door open for them a little bit, but we kept responding defensively. And so, you know, I'm just like any other fan. I think offensive basketball is better to watch than just grinded out basketball. But we've been pretty good defensively. The last three games that we've won, and um, it seems like we're headed in that direction a little bit, and I think it's a real good time to be doing that. Um, and I think it'll probably affect you a little bit offensively because you're exerting a little bit more effort. But I uh, I like it that way because it gives you a lot more confidence. And I saw after the Indiana game, you know, just seeing some of our players, um, I could see a confidence in their in their walk that's a little bit different. I, I really do think that after the losses at Iowa and in Nebraska there still was doubt for them right. for them and even though they're that's one possession games. Um, but since that time I like I like what we've done. But you know, I'm not naive enough not to know that Michigan State isn't capable of coming no in question. and beat us. So I absolutely you know, so I'm pretty much like everybody else. I'm I just want to take them one game at a time, including of course, we'll talk about the Rutgers game next. Yeah, and, and that's a game where uh, we had the weekend off, um, our final kind of bye weekend of the year, and uh, Rutgers comes in on Valentine's Day, and a little bit you would expect a little bit of rest, but we came out of the gates strong, and then it seems like we got a little too comfortable. Rutgers played a, a very good second part of the first half, uh, and we were able to wear them down as the game went on, but it's one of those, one of those games where uh, we handled it, but... It wasn't our best outing, um, and hopefully that gets us back on edge heading into Saturday's game against Michigan State. Had a lot of unnecessary turnovers um, early. Went a period in the second half where we got away from that fine. Um, of course, Isaac Haas had, a, had uh, I don't think, any better game in his career. I know he scored 26-1 with 12 boards, but what made him so good, he was so efficient. He was 9 of 11. He had 24 points on 11 shots um, but his movement he, you know he was able to catch the ball get himself in a position to use every move he has in his arsenal and he and he wasn't going against he's not going against guys that are six foot seven which might be a difference you know a lot of times we always say well if they don't have a big guy we're going to have an advantage sometimes the big guys we school better than the small guys right? because the six seven guy who weighs 230 pounds, you can push him around, but his hands are quicker, right? and he, he'll go after that ball and, and cause a problem. But one thing that Isaac said after the game to us on post-game radio was, and, it, and, it, and I agree with him, and this is what is going to happen over the last five games, 
no one's going to be naive enough not to double them. I mean, they're going to double them the yep. rest of the year. And, you know, whatever Rucker's reason for not doing that, I don't know. But he proved, and, and Isaac even said it, nah, that's not going to work against our, our low post game. Well, and, and I think reading some post game comments from other coaches over the last couple games, Jess Settle said it uh, in the Big Ten Network last night after the Rutgers game that Purdue is finding ways to beat teams multiple ways. Uh, the nights that you know we can we're, we're not doubled on the block and we can score, uh, we do it. Uh, the nights that we're facing the double teams, we're kicking out, we're rotating the ball for open threes, um, and we're also as you said, locking down a little bit more defensively. So on those nights when the shots aren't going, um, you know, we're able to at least hold hold serve from a defensive standpoint. I mean, think about I mean, just think about the last couple of games. Um, Backcourts of teams, you know, we've had a hard time on dribble drives. We've had a hard time handling that high screen yep. action. And we, we've done a really good job lately of that. I mean, hey, Trimble gave us trouble, obviously, because he shot – 6,000 free throws in a single game, but <laughs> but he was a problem. But Corey Sanders is a pretty good player. Yeah, Corey absolutely. Sanders is a really good player, yep. and he was negated. Yep. And, um, you know, Blackman and uh, and Johnson were negated down in Indiana, and those guys are pretty good players. So uh, I, I've been, you know, I've and even Newkirk, who was doing a lot of driving, I, I you know, where a guy would drive underneath the basket and then kick it, we, we, we've been a little better defensively. So, but... I'll leave that open for interpretation as these games go down. Well, I got to tell you a quick story. On Sunday, we had practice, and I was sitting with our trainer, Chad Young, and we were watching the guys. The guards were just getting some shots up, and they were going through a shooting drill. And we were sitting basically on – we were sitting courtside, and Dakota was shooting in front of us. And he missed a couple in a row, and Chad and I, I, we started talking loud so he could hear us. And I said, yeah, I go, he's, uh, he's all he's worried about now is defense. He's not worried about shooting anymore. And you can tell, look at all these shots he's missing right here. And, and we like to give Dakota a hard time sometimes. And he turned around and looked at us, and he goes, never thought you'd say that, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Which is so true because he had, you know, I mean, it's pretty obvious. He had struggles as a freshman, especially defensively. And oh, even he's, a done, a wonder, last he's year, done a wonderful job, and he's embraced it. Done a 180, and he's been one of those guys now that uh, embraces guarding the other team's best guard and has done a really good job with it and um that's you know that's a sign of a team that's that's maturing and and finding other ways he's hit a lot of key shots even his volume of shots i I do think is taken away from his volume of shots yes because uh, he's concentrated on defense he's letting the game come to him and he's probably not shooting as much as he can or you know sometimes should but uh but the other thing and uh, we'll talk about Biggie. Uh, Biggie will be on here momentarily, but Dakota has really rebounded the ball well. Yes, he has. And, uh, I mean, really well. And he seems to be in – it seems to be the ball is open and it's open for taking, and it's usually him and Biggs. Now, Biggs normally wins that two-man battle. All right. And But uh, Dakota's been very good at getting the ball off the glass, so – and he's actually been picking up a bunch of steals, as you know, lately yeah. too. So he's been he's he's done a great job. Well, before we bring Biggie on here, I do want to say um, after that Indiana game, we had a, a pretty good feature on the journey 
um, on the Indiana-Purdue game. They did basically uh, look at the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry and Purdue-Indiana. It was rivalry week around the country. Uh, a lot of the big rivals squared off this past week, and uh, the, the journey, a fantastic program, um, went behind the scenes. Now, you and I have talked about it. You have not seen the program, um, the particular program, uh, but you are featured pretty heavily, and I got to tip my hat to you and just give you a little love publicly here. You've, uh, you did an absolutely great job giving some kind of background on the rivalry, and then they used a lot of your calls throughout the show. And if you haven't seen it, listeners, I would highly suggest you find it. You can find it online. Um, they did a great job looking, and they gave you some behind-the-scenes look at the game in Bloomington. So that was uh, uh, a great job by the journey, and, and tip of the hat to you, Cliz. You did a, a wonderful job on that. All right, thank interview. you very, thank and you I know, very much. I know I'm embarrassing you right now, and you're <laughs> blushing, but that's uh, it's well worth our fans thank checking you. that out. Thanks. So, okay, so joining us on the podcast is uh, sophomore forward Caleb Swanigan, Biggie, as we uh, call him around the program. That's what we're going to call him in this interview, just because it, I think it'd be a little awkward if we call you Caleb. Don't you think? Yeah, it'd be a little awkward. <laughs> now, when you Talk about that a little bit because everybody around the program calls you Biggie, and I think I think that's how you referred to. It's funny when you watch games, when you go back and watch a TV game. Some some announcers will say Biggie, others will say Caleb. Um, it just sounds weird for us to call you Caleb, just because we've you know spent the last couple of years together. So, do any does anybody around our staff on our program call you Caleb? Um, Chad does. Chad, our um, athletic trainer, he calls me Caleb. And that's probably because he messes with you, right? Yeah, so I don't know why he calls me Caleb. <laughs> All the right. Thing is, the thing is, though, when I'm calling the game, I'll either call him the big man, I'll call him Swanigan. I never call him Caleb other than when I introduce him. But it's Biggie. You know, Rob says Biggie, too. And But the, but the point is, you're going to have other listeners. I mean, you're going to have people tune us in that, don't even know that Purdue exists, right? So you have right. to kind of identify him. So when you're saying, "Hey, great rebound by Biggie," and they're you know someone's listening and saying, "You know, I'm from Montana. I don't know. I don't, I don't get what you're saying." So you do have to. That's television. True. It's different because right. he always has a graphic, but in radio, it is true. You have to mention Swanigan a little bit, or they wouldn't know who you're talking about. Well, Biggie, talk about um, talk about this year. I mean. I think for our fans, um, you know, that watched you last year, and, and I know in college basketball they always say you make a huge jump from your freshman to sophomore year. I mean, that's kind of a that's kind of a you know a, a trend that you see across the board. But your jump has been so dramatic. Um, wh- why do you think your game is elevated? It looks like you move a lot better out there. I mean, what do you, do you feel that much different compared to last year? Yeah, I feel more comfortable in my own skin, you know, and just knowing the plays and knowing everything, knowing where to be. I don't feel like I'm getting in the way of anything, and I'm able to compete and uh, play loose. What do you What do you attribute that to? Just paying attention more, and uh, that was the biggest thing, just making sure I was paying attention. So it just started to feel natural. And I know, like, I we watched, for the fans, a little background. When we play a team, uh, we'll watch film. And Biggie talk about it. We watch a lot of film on the opposing team, but one of the things we watch is the previous year's game. So, for instance, uh, we have Michigan State film from East Lansing to watch this year, but as we're getting ready to play Michigan State on this coming Saturday, 
we would have watched last year's Michigan State film a little bit from the Big Ten tournament, things like that. And I know when we popped those tapes in from last year, you look completely different out there. I mean, physically, you look different. You're This year, you're moving so much better. Um, you're able, I think, to get around guys, be a little more agile. Um, does Do you feel it comes easier to you when you're out there on the floor from a physical standpoint? Yeah, I feel like it comes easier as a physical standpoint as far as just being able to get point A to point B without having to struggle and how to get my spot and things like that and knowing how to exert energy and make um turn my energy into productivity rather than just being everywhere on the court. And do you, I mean, I know that it, it, it's pretty well documented. I think some of the things that are well documented about you we're not going to go into here because, you know, there's been a lot of uh, stories done and, and obviously a lot of attention paid to the physical transformation that you underwent. But that's part of, I mean, that's a ongoing deal for you and why you work out the way you do. Is that right? Yeah, of course. That's just um, something that you got to keep in mind and always um, have in the back of your head so you don't take steps backwards. The thing, though, that uh, people would not have appreciation for, I don't think, and I certainly do because I've been around this program for 40 years. I've seen a lot of men go through it, is this guy works beyond what is almost normal. And that's not a bad trade. I'm not saying it is, but he, he just and by doing that, he, he's he's taking a lot of people with him, and 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 I always say, the difference between this year's team and last year's team is him, because he he sets the standard, and all you have to do is look at the numbers. I mean, field goal percentage up, three point percentage up, terrific at the free throw line, rebounding numbers up, scoring average up. Defending much, much better. I mean, what else can you do? So, and the and, and the beauty also of this guy is to watch him just wreck people trying to get rebounds, <laughs> including his own teammates, which would I would say would be Dakota Mathias is the guy in the way the most. Would you agree? Dakota's yeah, probably. I, mean, I don't know. He just can't get out the way. It's always Dakota. Talk, talk about that. We'll talk about. Do the guys give you a hard time? I know they do when sometimes you it's two of you going for a ball at the same time and you come away with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they always do. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty verbal. I'm always screaming, I'm here, I'm here, I got it. It's kind of like a, a fly ball in baseball, you know. If you're screaming, you got to use the other guy backs off of it, but for some reason exactly. they still get in the way. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I say. I mean, that's how yeah. I comment. Why are you trying to get that one from the big man? Because – in the end, he's going to get mad at you. So the next time he comes after it, you're you're going to get hurt. No, no doubt about. It. Well, you see it play out. I mean, you see it play out from time to time. And um, I, I think when you talk about rebounding, it is a mindset. I mean, you you can tell that you've got that mindset when that shot goes up. You know, you're 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 going towards it. I know the coaches have talked to you a little bit about sometimes instead of going, you got to hit your guy first to avoid those ones that go over your head. Mm-hmm. Um, but just talk about your mindset when that ball goes up and your mentality, you know, on each game. Um, you just got to – I've been doing a better job of just making sure I'm checking on my guy and things like that and rebounding downhill rather than trying to get all the way to the rim so things don't go over my head. But my biggest thing is just getting the ball. You know, there's so many things your coach can tell you about how to think, how to box out, who to box out and things like that. But if you're behind, just get the ball. That's the biggest thing that I try to rely on. You know, if I can't – if there's two, three guys, you know, just get the ball. And that's yeah, that that sums up rebounding too. Is, is whoever whoever wants the ball more, and obviously you've wanted it 
a lot more than uh, than guys that we've played. Well, we just had this game. Uh, we're taping this just after the Rutgers game, and one of the uh, the big worries was they're so good on the offensive glass, right? And we just destroyed them in that regard. I think it was twelve to six, maybe when it was all said and done. I think at one time it was like nine to one. So they only had one offensive board for the longest period of time. So. There's more to rebounding than just taking the defensive board. Those offensive boards are so important. And we've been such a really good def- uh, rebounding team overall. Right. We're not going to get into the whole uh, – we won't get into all the recruitment stuff. That stuff has been very well documented. But talk a little about – I mean, you've got a lot of attention as a as a high school star, basically. You've got a lot of attention uh, from a media standpoint. Um you, you got a lot of attention as a freshman, but this year the amount of media attention is just through the roof uh, with the national interviews, you know, your your name coming up in conversation for National Player of the Year, that kind of thing. Honestly, do you enjoy that, or is it something that's just part of it? You, you go along with it, or how do you approach that? Uh, right now it's just part of it. You know, I'm just approaching trying to win the next game and things like that. As in such, as far as winning awards, you just got to handle what you can handle, and that's what always been my mentality. And I think pe- people run the program that don't. I mean, we're you know we know you a little bit better than most, having you know spent the time with you and, and been around you and kind of being on this team with you. Um, you're a very cerebral guy. You're a very uh, composed guy. Um, and I think I think sometimes people they see the outside, they see that fiery competitor. Sometimes it's easy to see you as that athlete, but you've got a whole other side of you off the court. Um, you know, you and I, some of the conversations we've talked about, I feel, and I've said this about a handful of players in the past, but I don't feel like I'm talking to somebody your age. I feel like I'm talking to a peer. I'm ta- I feel like I'm talking to somebody that's, you know, 40-ish in age instead of, you know, 20-ish in age, which I think is a, I think that's a side people don't get to see uh, from you. And I think they don't get to see that about a lot of athletes. I think they, you know, when you see somebody, you turn a TV set on, you just see a guy for four hours a week on a game. You don't get to know them off the court, but there's a there's a real cerebral side of you, and there's a, a leadership side from you. Um, you've got the respect of guys in our locker room. You've got the respect of staff. Um, and talk about how you've grown into that role, because last year you could see some signs, like in huddles. I could see you know you wanting to say stuff, and you did say stuff. This year, though, you're more in command of that, and I think you have the respect of everybody on this team. Talk about that leadership role and how you've kind of come into that this year um it's just by doing it by example just every day you know since i've been here i feel like i'm working every day every day every day so it's like it's hard to question things when you know someone's doing it every day you know they're giving you their best every day and that just um i think it just helps a lot with being people being able to trust you and if your words just keep holding up and it always holds up then it makes it easier for people to um gravitate around you is it hard to call out a teammate when it needs when that needs to happen. I mean, every teammate's different. Some people can take it well. Some people you just got to tell them and things like that. Like you don't have to yell at them or things like you just got to tell them and they'll realize, realize it. And you just got to keep going. It's like coaching. Well, you know? I, that's what I was yeah. getting ready to say. I mean, you just have to, I guess, just figure out the person because they're sensitive people in this world, and you can scream at them, and you're not gonna, they're not gonna produce. You know? Do you do you get a does that? Um, does that, sh- does that imp- help you emphasize with what the coaches are go through when they're talking to guys? 
Yeah, that definitely helps and things like that. One thing that's always big for me as far as coaching, I got to be able to trust you. And um, another thing is for me that, you know, there's so many people out there like, oh, you should do this while you work out and things like that. That's how you should shoot <laughs> and things like that. My biggest philosophy is if you're not going to come and do it with me every day, I don't really care what you say. <laughs> so, like, if you're telling me yeah. I should do this or maybe I should start, you know, shooting a certain way, my shot looks kind of funny. If you're not willing to meet me at the gym at 9 a.m. every morning, then I don't really care what you got to say. And, and and that is a huge point because, um, you know, our players are, are human, um, but they have a lot of people in their ear. I mean, think about the people you see on a daily basis, whether it's uh, through social media, people that can hit you up on social media, uh, walking across campus, walking to the store, um, you run into a lot of people. You guys in a community like this are very recognizable being athletes. Um, but even a trip across campus for any of our players, you're going to run into hundreds of people. And everybody's got an opinion. And a lot of times, especially in this day and age, they give you that opinion. Whether you want it or not, they're going to give it to you. And you're right. You have to have that mentality to just be in hold strong in your convictions and not worry about what they say. Yeah, that's the big thing. You know what I mean? Like, if you're not here, not investing your time, I can't take you seriously. You know, everyone, when you're an athlete, you know, people feel like they can walk into your office and tell you how to work from the outside. You know, when most people want in, go into an office of how their bank's working and be like, you exactly, know, this is how we're going to work things. I see it from the outside, but I think this is going to work, you know. They're not doing it every day, so you, that's just how you got to kind of handle it. That's very well said because that is so true. Because the thing about being an athlete is, is that the public views it as entertainment, and then when they became when they become vested in it as they think it should be, now they become experts in it without any expert knowledge. And I'm not like yelling at some of our fans there, but I'm just saying, you don't. Hey, I never played at his level. How could I sit there and say, hey, he should do this or right. he should do it that way? It's just, and there are successful people out there who will say that. You know, they're very successful in what they do. They might be in a construction company. Boy, if he thought like I did, he'd be a great player. It doesn't work that way. Well, it doesn't. And sports is the one thing where a, a lot of people in this country grow up, you play it. So sure. you feel. You feel like if I played high school basketball, well, I'm, a, I'm a basketball expert. Yeah. Nobody grew up being a banker in high school, like you, you know, to no, no, illustrate right. your point. Right. And so I think people feel like if they played the sport at some level, that somehow that translates to all levels. And that's, you know, as, as we know, that's that's not true. Talk a little bit about, I know, it, and people have talked about a lot, your work, you talked about getting in the gym as much as you can. Um, do you... When you balance your time, I mean, that's got to be a big part of what you do, too, is your time management. Because you have to devote um, part of your day to, you know, academics, uh, weight room, extra work, our, our scheduled practices. Um, just talk us through, you know, that, how important that is to balance your time. Um, I just try to get all my academic work done first, early in the morning, things like that. Then when I come to Mackey, I usually don't. I come to Mackey around 10, and I usually won't leave Mackey until around, like, 6 or 7. So it's just... Um, you know, I treat it like a job. You know, I get my schoolwork done, then I come check in, then I check out, and then from 7 to whatever, I do what I do socially-wise, and that's my social window, and then go to sleep and start over again. Now, what do you do in the days when you don't feel like it? <laughs> um, I mean, I know you probably t- – what do you – like, what do you say to yourself 
to talk yourself into coming in. Because we've all had, mm-hmm. I don't care who you are, if you work a job, whatever you do, Heck you've yeah. got those days where you roll over and go, man, I just need, I need two hours so I can sleep two more hours or whatever it is. What, mm-hmm. what goes through your head? What does Biggie do to talk himself into getting in that gym? Um, I just get it done. I just think, you know, just give me two and a half hours of work and then you're done for the day or things like that. Like on like a day like today where it's off day, no practice, just focus for two hours and you have 10 hours to do nothing. Right. So it's like if you can queue in for two hours, then you feel a lot better at the end of the day rather than skipping it, then it throws you off a little bit. So when you're not working, you're away from basketball, I know a little bit, a little insider trading here. I know you guys are, uh, are on the video games a lot. What do you do to get away and get your mind off of basketball, academics, things like that? Um, that's the biggest thing. You know, I just play video games and things. We have, like, leagues and stuff to make it competitive, you know. Oh, yeah. It just makes it fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. got to make it competitive. Yeah, oh, it, yeah. it has to be competitive <laughs> and things like that. And just, um, just that's pretty much what it is, you know, and just hanging around and watching uh, other college teams play because there's usually a lot of games on or watching NBA games on for the night. And I know you're – you watch a lot of games because uh, just in conversation with you, some people would be surprised that not everybody who plays college basketball watches college basketball when they can. And I think that would shock some people, but you're one of those guys that you eat it up. I know you, you watch NBA, you watch other college teams, you're locked in on what's going on with other teams in our league. Um, talk about just this time of year, it's you know middle of February, we're in a league title race, it's fun. This is the fun time, right? Well, especially when you're watching other teams around the league, and you know you can't help but certain teams you're pulling for, you know, so we can kind of continue to rise up the rankings. Um, certainly, and then it's just um, I mean, it's all that pre- a lot less pressure when you're just sitting there watching it rather than playing. You know, you just got to handle your business. But at other times, you're just watching other teams, hoping things go this way, hoping things go that way, and just. Um, just really just being a fan of the game and then it's um, just a fun part of it that you get to play and be a fan of it. Who do you watch at the next level that you who's who's a must see TV for you in the NBA? I mean must see TV is just um, probably right now with Ben Isaiah Thomas man it's just a different level right now. I watch oh, he is. When he comes on it's just excited to see him it's must see TV. Back to the video games who's the best who's the best who's winning your leagues let's mm-hmm. put it that way. I mean, I'm winning the league right now in Madden. It depends what video game it is, but for the most part, I've been dominating most of the leagues. <laughs> you know why? Because his focus is off the charts. That's focus what, off the charts. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so who gives you the hardest time? Um, well, the league we're in right now for Madden has, like, Tommy Luce, Grady, and Ryan Klein. Ryan gave me a really tough game. Tommy's about 0-8 right now in Madden. <laughs> He's about 0-8 before the season. He won't make the playoffs this year. And Grady's just Grady's middle of the pack. <laughs> so who? So when you guys are playing, who, what's the, who's got the worst temper? Like if they lose a game, who's just goes off the chains? Oh, it's PJ for sure. And then PJ wants to play you for the world after that. <laughs> He'll play you for his car keys after he loses. <laughs> That's great. That is great because I think you can see, and, and I don't. It probably to you and I, Larry, it doesn't shock us because the, we know these are competitive guys. I mean, we see it. You know, there's been there's been teams or players we've had in the past that you lose a game, it always hurts. But I think with these guys, it hurts that much more. Oh, so, I agree. So to hear that, that doesn't. You know, I saw something last night in the game. Again, we're referring to Rutgers game because this is tape. But I saw something last night. You know, I kind of like to watch 
I love to watch pregame because I've never been able to figure out if a team's going to play well or not, our team's going to play well or not by the way they warm up. And I'll just say this real quickly. When we were at Michigan State, Miles Bridges didn't miss a shot in, in warm-up. I mean, and I just sat there and why, I was transfixed on him. I mean, it was just, I mean, just bang, bang, bang. And I told Rob, I said, I don't know, but this guy carries it over to the game. We're going to have some issues. And he did. Yeah. Peter Jock did the same thing the night we played. And um, But last night I was looking at, this was during the game, and we had a long, if you guys remember, both game, at the start of the game, start of the second half, TV got involved, and we, we had the guys out on the floor, and there was a couple minutes, you know, that went right. by, and they're just sitting out there. Mm-hmm. And I watched P.J. and Corey Sanders right at the timeline because they were going to enter the ball to start the second half. And I just watched that interaction, and I, and I couldn't help but think to myself, you know, they can look around them. They can see there's nearly 15,000 people there. A whole lot of people are really interested in what they're doing. But here's two guys that are playing against each other. And I was just kind of wondering to myself, exactly what may they be talking about? You know, because I've heard other athletes come to me and say, hey, we're warming up for the IU-Purdue game. And, you know, we run into each other when we get back in the layoff line. And every once in a while, if I know that guy well enough, Boy, isn't this like crazy? Look at these people, you yeah, know. Yeah. But I was just wondering what PJ might have been talking. And Corey and him both been in the league now for three years, so they've been through it. Yeah. And I'm sure that something was said, you know, probably was, "Hey, how you been?" or something like that. But there might have been something said about in this crazy to be able to play at this level and, and PJ have this steal, much fun. And then he got the steal. Yeah, 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 yeah. He did, didn't he? Yeah. I know what he was doing. He was setting them up, <laughs> wasn't he? <laughs> Do you ever have conversations like that on the court? Um, it just depends. Like I don't have conversations of that parameter really. If it's someone I really know well, I just say, you know, how you I ask them how they doing, you know, if it's just a break where we're just sitting there and things like that. But um no, I don't think I've ever talked to them like, man, just like, you know, like just sit in the moment type thing. I don't think I've ever done that. But you don't strike me as a you don't strike me as a small talk guy. You get, <laughs> <laughs> you get down to business. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Which is good. I I would I can relate to that quite a bit. Um Okay, so talk a little about. I close this kind of touched on a little bit with you're in those environments. We go into some of these gyms, and when you're when you're playing at the level you're playing at, you're going to become the target of other you know fan bases and student sections, things like that. We're in a league where we're going into buildings that you know twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen thousand people um, on most nights, and well, you know we're playing in some big time environments. Do you? Do you enjoy that? And then, are you how aware of you of what's going on around you know the stuff going on around the court, things like that? Um, when we're playing on road games, it's just huge to be aggressive and things like that. And uh, I always try to bring that with me. And because sometimes you know teams are more confident at home and things like that, so you got to just meet them with it and things. You know, the crowd's talking and. And that just motivates me more, you know, that when people talk and things like that, it just gets me going even more. What's it like, though, when um, when you can't hear? What You know, I, I remember back to that Villanova game, the very first game of the year, and I can remember P.J. coming to the sideline and Matt was – Coach Painter was screaming something at him. He just kept screaming back, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. But is there ever a moment where you're just transfixed in the moment and it's like everything is like slow motion and you don't even pay attention to that noise? 
Yeah, usually when it gets to the point where you can't hear, it's just when it's just, I'm just focused on doing my job and just, you know, the plays go out the window and things like that because you can't. You're not going to be able to, you just got to rely on your principles and the instincts and things like that because you can't hear someone communicating there's a ball screen or something like that or you can't hear someone saying, you know, they're doing this, they're doing this. So you just kind of have to play at that point. And that's just where I like playing basketball that way. You just got to be a basketball player. Wow. That's that's. Well, and, and those games you're talking about, the stretch we just concluded um, prior to the Rutgers game, we had four out of five games on the road. And we kind of talked about that as that was going to be a very critical moment in this team's season. Uh, four out of five games, which everybody at the beginning of the year thought, well, that's going to be your most brutal stretch of the schedule, and that's going to be the stretch that tests you as a team. Uh, those Talk about that five-game stretch. I mean, those were all – really good teams that we played to come through that stretch four and one um that's led us to this upswing run now it just all started defensively you know we had to get back to that focus and last couple games we've been playing really well on the defensive end and making it hard for teams and when you're when you're at home and it's hard for you to score it's hard to feed off the crowd all right we're gonna uh before we get to the final four questions here i do want to put a plug in um our uh, sports information area, our, our video area, our graphics area is all kind of uh, come together here. Chris Foreman's our SID, does a great job. He spent a lot of time with you this year um, in, in kind of getting your story out and the publicity that's gone along with you. Um, a website's going to launch this week. Um, it's it's Biggie, the number four, NPOY.com. So Biggie for NPOY.com. Um, it's going to feature a lot of the articles that have been done. Um, on you from Sports Illustrated, ESPN, CBS, uh, Sports Nation, that kind of thing. Um, all those links are going to be on there to those articles along with some social media things that have been said about you and about your season uh, to date. Um, some photos and, and obviously your statistics and things like that. Um, we touched on a little bit about all the, the media you've had to do, but um, it, 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 I think does it ever enter your mind, like, what kind of season you're having, or are you just so focused on on game by game and practice by practice that it doesn't register, and that's something you'll look back on down the road? Um, just more of just game by game right now because it's just at the point of the season where it's almost over, but it's still a long way from over. And um, we got to be able to close out the rest of these games, so I just try to keep it game by game, and it keeps it easy to think about. Yeah, I can, I can completely imagine that. I know for our fans, I mean, I think sometimes – it's almost got to a point where the double doubles and the thing, the numbers you put up, like the game last night, uh, I was watching the Big Ten Network afterwards, and they said, "Yeah, he just played okay." And if anybody else puts up those numbers, they're saying, "Boy, what a game that guy had! Look at that double double!" And for you, it's become that's the baseline. I mean, you've raised that bar so high. Um, do you ever think about? I mean, we've had two national players of the year here, in, in John Wooden and Glenn Robinson. Um, you know, icons, legendary guys. I mean, I know that's what you work for, but do you ever, do you ever look at in our practice court? There's the you know pictures of the All Americans. There's the banners that hang up in Mackey. Do you ever find yourself looking at that, thinking that you you could be up there one day? Um, yeah, I find myself looking at those things. Um, just interesting, just looking at the names and the guys like that that came through and played, and and just how people talked about Big Dog before I came in uh, along those lines and. If I'm in the same sentence, I feel like that's amazing because before I came here, you know, I've seen his 
most people haven't even seen him play. They just know his numbers. But I watched the game against Kansas his last year, and how he averaged 30 and 12. Like, you know, Rose has those games on DVD. I've seen them. So it's yeah. like, you know, just seeing how he played and how dominant he played and throughout things like that and just being able to be in the same sentence would be, you know, I mean, I must have been doing something right this year. Absolutely. Well, amen to that. And I know our coaches, especially Coach Painter, um, we, we tell a lot of stories, and we have a lot of stories from former players and things like that. And we tell those stories from time to time, you know, before a film session or things like that. Do you like hearing those those stories about – I mean, you're going to be – you may not know it, but in four or five years, you're going to be those stories. You know, we're mm-hmm. going to be talk, talking about you. Um, do you guys like hearing that stuff about the former – the old days, the good old days, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, it's fun. It keeps um, – it keeps things light in the locker room, you know, when you're watching film and doing things that are monotonous. It just keeps things light, and um, it just uh, adds some fun to it. Yeah, this and and that's needed a lot because the season could be can be a long grind. So, well, um, thanks for taking time with us. I, I really appreciate. It. I know you're you have a hectic schedule, especially with a lot of media that you do on the off day. So, we're gonna wrap up here with our final four questions. Our first question is: What is your go-to music that you like to listen to? Um, right now, it's probably like Frank Ocean and things like that. It's just the things that have a really good sound that really don't have a definite genre. they kind of just like crossovers between different things. Okay, very good. Uh, the best or la- la- uh, last book that you have read? Um, best book, but not buddy, by Langston Hughes. Very good. Now, what? So what? What drew you to that book? What do you I like was, about it? Um, in like ninth grade, and I just it really was as simple as. Um, I wanted to know more about the artist, authors throughout the Harlem Renaissance and things like that, and just more African American artists. And you know, my teacher led me to him and just a whole bunch of other guys that have been writing books through that time. And that's just one of the books I picked up. Black History Month, February. So, any are you reading anything now, or anything that jumps out at you that you are currently reading, or, or have you have you done all the reading in that area that you wanted to do? I've done a lot of the reading I wanted to do in that area, and um, right now, currently, I'm not reading any books that uh, I can suggest. Okay, I've got one here in the office. I'm going to give you when we're done with this. When we're done with this. I think you'll you'll dig it. It'd be right in that in that uh, vein of other uh, other books. Okay, the one profession you'd like to do if it wasn't a basketball player, and this can be anything. It doesn't have to be something you're qualified for. You could just wave a magic wand and you'd be doing it. A uh, musician for sure. It'd just be. Someone that just influences a lot of people through music. You'd be what would you be though? Would would you play an instrument? Would you be a vocalist? What would you do? Guitar, um, probably if if I could choose, it'd probably be a vocalist and be able to play, be able to play the guitar and piano. That's fantastic. I wish I could play piano. That's one of my regrets. I didn't yeah, take piano lessons. Yeah, me too. I, I, I took piano lessons as a kid, and I still couldn't play it. Then when I got into my 40s, <laughs> I went out and bought this ridiculously expensive keyboard and sat down and started pounding away at it, and I, 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 don't, have, I don't have the ability to do it. I, you know, it's just like playing basketball. If you've if you got some ability and you work on it, you can get it done, but you've got to have some basics. And lessons don't do it. If you've got to sit there and do it just with keys... You know, there are not too many great musicians that don't hear it. Right. You know, they hear yeah. it, and they can just, you know, and one of my favorite guitar players, Gary Clark Jr., and, um, you know, and, and, I mean, those guys aren't, when they're doing that stuff, they're not, 
You know, they're yeah. not they're not going yeah. through their yeah. they're not going through their notes. Mm-hmm. And that's me. Here I'm going playing the piano. <laughs> All I want to do is get outside and throw a football around. I didn't want to play piano, so I pl- I played it for five years when I was a little little boy. Okay, last question is what? Is oh, the- I played trombone too. Oh, think God. about that. Do you have any photos of that? Oh my goodness. Well, yeah. I mean, my nose is as long as the slide. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last question, Biggie. What is one thing that nobody knows about you, or a very little known fact? So many stories have been done about you. They may have uncovered all this stuff already, but what's one thing that a lot of people don't know about you? Um, one thing that people don't know about me is um, probably that, I mean, I don't think people understand how big of a nerd I am as far as like certain things, like I like anime and things like that, like Dragon Ball Z and um, Naruto and things like that. Along those lines, I watch those a lot, and people may not know that about me. I'll explain anime to people who don't maybe not know what that is. It's like adult cartoons, but not that type of adult cartoon. It's just like, you know, they live lives and things like that, and they're just really intricate in their details. Like, I don't even know how many episodes Dragon Ball Z has. It probably has like 40 in one season, so it's just like, it's just things like that. Where do you where do you watch those? Is that a YouTube thing or a uh, I mean a Netflix thing or a, you can find them online or where do you watch them? I mean, you can watch them on Netflix. They have um, some of them on Hulu. Like they're easy to find now. Very cool. And those are produced. Where are, those, are they the, produced in the states or are no, those Japanese? Japanese, cartoons, yeah. Cartoons, yeah, yeah. That's I am completely in the dark on that i don't know much about i know what they what it is i don't well, that's don't about o- it well don't open the door to you or you'll be going you'll be going looking i know that <laughs> i have a high level of curiosity yes you so do. i might have to i might have to check some of that out so we can talk about that on the next road trip biggie hey biggs thanks for being with us man you were fantastic no, no yeah I, we really appreciate it. this has been episode 15 here on the purdue basketball podcast and Thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time, be curious, be informed, and be well.